evening, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Lovely to see you. Today, what we're going to be talking about is ultra-processed foods. Now, this is something that I've actually spoken about a little bit already in a different um, a different section, um, but I wanted to go into a little bit more detail on this particular topic because it's something that has um, come more to my attention recently after having read um, a book um, on the on the topic. Okay, um, it's basically it's called Ultra Processed People, and so what I'm going to be doing is I'm basically going to be giving you a quick overview of um, what it is that uh, it's about, um, what it is that I've found out since, since having read it. Some it's you know it's a lot of it stuff that we've been over before, but it's also presented from a slightly different perspective, which I which I really enjoy, and. Um, then ultimately, at the end of this, you'll have some actionable points that you can use to help to actually, um, you know, improve your decisions. And also, uh, if you want to, then you can go and read it yourself. So for those of you that are listening, listening along, it's called Ultra Processed People. Uh, it's available for free, actually, as, as a um, an audiobook if you've got Spotify Premium. Um, but otherwise, it's by Chris Van Tulliken, um, who's been on a few um, BBC documentaries and stuff. I recognised him from from that's what kind of made me sort of interested in reading it. Um, and um, it's basically it's the the sort of the subtitle is why do we why do we all eat stuff that isn't food and why is it that we can't stop now a lot of you will be able to um sort of associate with the idea of having food that you you can't stop eating or feeling food cravings or if you don't eat um feeling sort of hangry and have the food uh, emotionally sort of control you the idea of spending your entire day thinking about food or um, and basically just generally speaking, sort of having a bit of a food addiction or potentially being in a position where you um, are getting to the point where you are, um, you know, eating despite the fact that you're not feeling like you should be eating anymore. You feel a bit sick or you feel like you've overdone it or or anything like that. We can all relate to these kinds of feelings. And these are all sort of fairly normal. And essentially, the the, the theory behind the book is is that a lot of this um, sort of um, unhelpful behavior and a lot of this sort of um, this sort of repetitive sort of almost self-sabotage comes as a result, not necessarily through your own fault, um, but as a result of the food environment that we currently find ourselves in. So hopefully you'd have heard me say something similar to that before in the idea that it isn't actually your fault if you struggle to lose weight or you struggle with weight loss or you struggle to maintain your health and fitness and that kind of thing. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the environment in which we currently find ourselves living in the modern world actually predisposes you to being that way. And actually, it's rather exceptional for you not to be like that. But although it's not your fault, it is still your responsibility to look after your own health. And ultimately, we can all hope and push for societal change towards making things more uh, conducive to, to better health. Um, but at the same time, the, the the fastest way to actually improve outcomes personally is to is to make changes yourself. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about four main questions um, just to help you sort of understand the topic a little bit better. So the first thing is, is what are ultra processed foods? And we'll, we'll be referring to them as I've noted on here, uh, UPFs, just because it's quicker. Um, so what are UPFs? Why are UPFs bad? And are UPFs bad? Um, or why might they be bad? That's probably a better way of putting it. Um, why they're so common, why they're everywhere. And then 
looking at individual solutions. And now this is where I actually have kind of gone off on a tangent outside the book. The book doesn't really offer a lot of individual solutions because it is more society based. And I think for that kind of uh, medium in terms of a book and uh, sending out to the population, it's probably for the best that it's not because otherwise it can come across a bit preachy. Um, but for you guys, obviously, I know you guys, I speak to you guys, I know what it is that you're currently working on. And so I know I can give you some more re some more relevant individual advice um, that will will help you to, to basically make the change. So let's start with um, what is ultra processed food? So a simple definition, this was um, done by the um, Harvard website, which is basically ultra processed foods are made mostly from the substances extracted from foods such as fats, starches, added sugars and hydrogenated fats. Okay, which isn't the most interesting thing in the world. And they may also contain additives like artificial cover colors, flavors and stabilizers. So in a nutshell, what most people think of when they think of ultra processed food is junk food. It's very, very straightforward. So for those of you listening on, we've got Ben and Jerry's, we've got a Diet Coke, we've got a Galaxy chocolate bar, um, we've got pizza, sort of a Chicago town, sort of frozen pizza. These are the things that scream ultra processed food to you. When you eat these foods, you know that you're not making a positive health choice. I'm assuming that at least. It's not something that you're going to be um, you're sitting there going, well, do you know what? I can't can't work out why my um, you know, my my body stats aren't improving. I keep having a you know caramel brownie party every evening and it's not making a difference. I know that that's not the case. So these are the kind of the really obvious things that we think of when we think of ultra processed food. But the fact of the matter is, is and this has changed a lot actually in the say the 10 years I've been doing this, or 10 or so years, is that the, the food landscape in turn has changed enormously. We now have a lot more ultra processed food, which is sort of disguised as health food and so what the 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 health foods generally speaking they're either lower in fat or lower in sugar um but they are also higher in essentially industrially processed foods so anything that you can't um you wouldn't normally find in your kitchen or using equipment that you normally wouldn't find in your kitchen that is what denotes ultra processed food Okay, so the um, things like, for example, a chicken salad sandwich from Marks and Spencer seems like a really good option of something that you can get, which is healthy. It's got a good amount of protein, not too many calories. It's got fiber in it, but it's also got emulsifiers. It's got stabilizers. Um, it's got all sorts of e it's got e numbers in it. It's got all sorts of interesting bits and bobs, which are actually going to quite profoundly change the um the way that your body treats the food it's going to change the body where your body processes the food it's going to change your attitude to the food um, and it's also it's basically going to affect uh, your outcomes in terms of your your food so things like pop chips like low calorie drinks low calorie ice creams low calorie mayonnaise all of these things are ultra processed food and are something that you should be conscious of how much you're you're consuming the other thing is, and this is kind of like the even more modern stuff, is all of the um, ultra processed foods, which are being specifically targeted as health options, as fitness options. So a protein flapjack or, you know, zero calorie maple syrup so that you can make sure you're keeping your carbs down. I see people using this all the time. Um, protein powder, um, meal replacement shakes, protein yogurts, grenade bars, all this kind of stuff. It's it is essentially um, it's it's full of stuff, which is making the food more delicious okay it's going to make it basically it's going to get you more a bigger reward in your in your brain it's going to last on the shelf longer and it's going to basically make more profit for the people that are making it okay so 
These are all different examples of ultra-processed food. And so just to make sure that you understand, the definition is basically, if you can't make all of the ingredients in your kitchen, it's ultra-processed food, um, or if it contains anything that you decide that actually is it's not an ingredient that you usually find in your kitchen, it's, it's ultra-processed food. So what has happened is, is basically we've come up with a Nova food classification and this is something that's going to really help in terms of helping you to work out what's going on. So almost everything that you see in a in a wrapper, in a plastic, in a ready meal that's sort of like a instant um, quick cook stuff tends to be ultra processed. So this is stuff on the right. So um, this is basically the stuff that we've just spoken about. But processing in and of itself isn't actually a bad thing. So you, for example, you need to process corn in order to make it edible by cooking it or you need to um you know press olives in order to make olive oil you need to you know put wheat and yeast and and, and water together to make bread these things are all stuff that you can find normally and so you basically can then um also shift between unprocessed or minimally processed food which is generally speaking is sort of just raw stuff that hasn't been cooked um processed foods which are things like um you know butter and, and milk um and salt and olive oil and, and these kinds of things which are basically they're, they're one step processed and then um processed foods are things like tinned fish or cheese for example because it requires some processing but you could make cheese in your kitchen if you wanted to the stuff that you can't make in your kitchen is something like a, a, a rapeseed oil for example which um for basically what you'd need to do is you need to press it uh, you need to press it under extreme temp like pressure and temperature until you get all the oil out you then need to bleach it you need to deodorize it you need to um colorize it and make sure that it's stable okay and all of these things require big pieces of equipment they require chemicals they require all this kind of stuff and that's how you get that kind of thing out okay so that's the kind of um that's the kind of overview of of the the food classifications and start to think about what qualifies as ultra processed food so the next question and this is kind of the one that's the most interesting is why if at all are ultra processed foods so bad for you so there's three things it's really quite simple the first thing is is that ultra processed foods tend not to have a nutritional much nutritional value okay that's not always true so for example a can of baked beans technically is ultra processed because it has ingredients in it that you wouldn't find in your kitchen but it's high in fiber, it's high in protein, it's got tomatoes in it, it's got some antioxidants. It's actually not that bad for you. But for the most part, that ultra-processed food will lack nutritional value. The second thing is, is that it's these additives. It's E-numbers, it's stabilizers, it's emulsifiers, it's gums, it's acids, it's all the different things on the back of the thing that you can't, um, that you can't, you don't understand what they are, that are there to preserve the food, to increase to, to make sure that they travel properly, to make sure the texture is correct, to make sure that things like in ice cream, for example, where ice cream doesn't melt as easily when it's got additives in it, which means that it can be shipped more easily. Um, all these little bits and bobs, and they go into great, in the book, he goes into great, great detail in this. I'm not going to do this justice, but the it basically, it contributes to chronic and acute disease risk. So these are the things that have been shown are that these high consumption of these um these um, ingredients molecules whatever you call it are associated with disease risk and then the last thing and this is where it sort of ties into to weight gain is that these foods the ones that are 
designed to be optimally delicious. There's a reason why when you order a Domino's pizza, this is the example that I can see in my day-to-day life. When you order a Domino's pizza, you have to make a real effort not to eat the whole thing. When you order something like um, something which isn't ultra processed, or at least I don't think it is, uh, something like Franco Manca, the amount of sort of dopamine hit that you get from that pizza is significantly less than the one that you get from the junky one from Domino's. They are addictive um, sort of uh, combinations of chemicals and fats and sugars that put together that make them basically impossible to stop eating. So even if you have a, a you know a packet of pop chips or something, it's not satisfying. You have a grenade bar; it doesn't satisfy you. They taste good, but they don't satisfy you in the same way that real food does. And if you if that if you continue to overeat them, which you will, then you're likely to put on weight or even if you can control your calories, you're going to feel a lot hungrier a lot of the time. and It's going to feel a lot harder. So just watch out for this. Okay. So we've given you kind of three, three um, overviews. and I'm going to try not to, to dwell too long on this, but the, the main, the first thing is, is that the ultra processed food will increase the risk of non-communicable diseases. Okay. So um, in this study here, which is obviously referenced there, if you're, if you're watching along, I'm not going to read it out. Um, is it says among the analyzed food groups, higher um, ultra processed food diet was um, positively associated with obesity and associated with the development of all non communicable diseases, mainly hypertension, diabetes, and dyslipidemia. All non communicable diseases, as a bracket, covers cancer, it covers dementia, it covers um, things like heart disease and diabetes on that front. It covers basically all of the main things that you're most likely to die of. So, outside of stuff like um, getting infections and that kind of thing. Essentially, the more um, ultra-processed food you eat, the higher your risk of all-cause mortality, in a, in a sense, okay? It's, it's, it's really as simple as that. And interestingly, when you have a standard, and I didn't include this because it was quite long, but is this study found that when you have a standard amount of intake of ultra-processed food, it doesn't matter how much extra non-processed, minimally processed, lightly processed food you consume, it doesn't reduce the risk. So you can't out broccoli your grenade bars, okay? If you consistently eat sweeteners and, and emulsifiers and, and you know, less thins and all these kinds of things, it's going to have a negative effect on your health. The second one is, um, this is about in terms of the uh, increased energy intake. And this is this is really interesting. So ultra-processed diets cause excess calorie intake and weight gain. Uh, this was an inpatient randomized control tired trial of ad libitum food intake which basically means you give people as much food as they can as much food as they want uh one group was given ultra processed one group was given uh sort of minimally or normally processed foods uh they were controlled for macronutrients and um and basically sort of all the all the things that are controlled that are necessary and basically what they found out with and i'm going to try and abbreviate this because there's a lot of numbers in this but i thought i'd give you the whole paragraph is that basically energy intake intake was greater during the ultra processed diet by around 500 calories a day with increased consumption of carbohydrates and fat, but not protein, interestingly. Weight changes were highly correlated with energy intake, with participants gaining around a kilo during the ultra-processed diet, that's in four weeks, um, and losing around a kilo during the unprocessed diet. So you give the average person, the average person in the UK, it's sort of mooted is about eats around 50% of their calories from ultra-processed food. This actually checks out. If you go 100% ultra processed, you're going to gain a kilo. If you go 100% unprocessed, you're going to lose a kilo. Okay, so it's it's kind of as, as simple as that. The addictive nature and the del- essentially the deliciousness of ultra processed food means that people consistently overeat because they're unable to control their appetite. They're unable to, unable to control their energy hormones 
um, sorry, the appetite hormones. And so the energy levels are basically always in an excess. The last one is about the addictive qualities. And this is kind of, this was a really interesting one. This is more like an article, but this was um, brand new Food for Thought 2023, British Medical Journal, Social, Clinical and Policy Implications for Ultra-Processed Food Addiction. Okay. And the key messages that they wanted to get out were that ultra-processed food, high in refined carbohydrates and added fats, that's the important bit as well, are highly rewarding, appealing and consumed compulsively and may be addictive. They're comparing it in this instance to actual sort of drugs. And people do a lot of this, like, you know, sugar is as addictive as 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 heroin. And I don't buy that on the basis that you don't see people diving into bags of sugar and, you know, doing all sorts of horrible things to try and get the money to buy sugar. It's not the same thing, but it lights up the same areas of the brain. Behaviors around ultra processed foods may meet the criteria for diagnosis of substance use disorder in some people. So it's seen to be about 14 percent of adults and 12 percent of children have biophysiological mechanisms of addiction and clinically significant problems. And just to give you an idea of what qualifies as addiction is that basically means that it, you know, it's when you're having cravings for these kinds of foods, you are unable to stop eating these kinds of foods when you want to. You can't, um, and that means when you're eating them, you can't control how much you're eating. You can't quit them in a, in a greater sense. And you continue to eat foods that you know cause you harm, despite the fact that you're getting that, you know that's going to happen. These are addictive things. And these, I have to say, these are all things that I can relate to personally. So the um, it's things like this is, this was the thing that started to make me think, actually, do you know what, this, this does make sense, doesn't it? Because the um, ultra processed foods are literally everywhere. And to an extent, some people are really addicted and it's like, constantly eating every day but the same thing it's like you know it's some people are just eating way more than they need to and it's having a negative effect okay so hopefully that's cleared up you know what we mean by ultra processed foods um what it is that is that is potentially so bad about them and then so we're just going to quickly i need to cover this because it's important because often we can feel kind of victimized in terms of why do you eat all the why do you eat so much pizza for example oh it's because i'm lazy oh it's because i'm i'm you know i overindulge myself it's because i've got no willpower it's it's not actually that it's it's a lot more i and he again he goes into great detail in the book in this and this is something that i've been sort of i mean i did something quite similar about this in terms of comparing um you know people in the 70s to now you know we haven't all fundamentally changed it's you know, your some people's genetics are much less able to control exposure to this kind of thing than others. Um, some people live in so socioeconomic situations, which mean that actually the only thing they have time or the money for is to put a ready meal in the oven versus having the time to sit down and and create a, a nutrition ba nutritious balanced meal. We aren't all in the same boat, and so therefore, it's um, it kind of explains why UP UPF food is is so common. It's the basically it's all about and i've got a nice picture of a fat cat here um it's all about sort of profit essentially so what you want to do is you want to market a product to somebody you want to start to create a habitual purchase which you do by making the food as delicious as possible so all of these things that make the texture perfect that make the you know the smell perfect the the taste perfect that you know that kind of that lingering sensation that you get in your mouth even like things like doritos they engineer them to the point where they you get the crumbs on your fingers that you have to lick off with all the all the 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 um the the flavor and all that kind of stuff and that's deliberate they they make it a habitual perfect purpose and market market it to you as such you want to maximize shelf life which means using 
ingredients which actually aren't food in order to make it last longer and ease transportation like we said with the ice cream so that you it doesn't melt as easily which means that you can basically you can have one central um, factory that's creating all the ice cream and you can ship it off across the whole country it's easier it's better profit margins maximize margins maximize consumption retain the ip of the product because you can't say that oh i own beef so nobody else can sell it but you can say i own kit kat and no one else can say it and then maximize profits and essentially this the fact that there is this sort of and it's much worse in the states they have much less regulation than we do but the fact that it is less regulated than it perhaps ought to be means that essentially the opportunity is there to create these foods so the market is filling it out and we are um, at its mercy okay so um what we want to do now to sort of finish off is to say what is it that you can do yourself that are, is actually going to help now obviously to say um the actually in, in the book he recommends what you should do is you should while you're reading it you should continue to eat as many ultra processed foods as you can um, in a base of to try to, uh, I mean, for, what, for want of a better expression, to disgust yourself into not wanting to do it again. Apparently, there's good evidence that that works. Um, but I'll leave that up to you to decide as to whether you want to um, whether you want to sort of cut them out completely. But my my recommendation on this one is that you um, look to optimize your UPF consumption, and by that I mean if you eliminate it completely that might be that might be your call that probably wouldn't be my recommendation based on the fact that'd be very very difficult to do um but start to think about how you can do that so the first thing you might want to do is if you found this interesting read the book it's like i've covered probably five percent of it um and just literally the hot topics it goes into loads of detail there's loads of interesting sort of insights and and information about different kinds of foods and different kinds of upfs and all that kind of stuff it's really really good um the second thing is i would encourage you strongly to read the label. So wherever you pick up a label of a food and it has an ingredient in it that you don't recognize as something that you would normally have in your kitchen, including things like natural flavorings, if you literally can't buy it exactly and it's if it doesn't if it's that's the big one natural if you can't buy it in, in the form that it's dictated on the side of the the ingredients list, it's ultra processed food. And the fact of the matter is is that one small bit of ingredients essentially affects the whole taste of the food. And then has all of those effects that we've spoken about. And then the most important thing and the best thing that you can do is to cook more at home. So wherever you can, try to get into, into the, the routine that we're always encouraging, planning your food out, preparing food in advance where you can, making sure that you have the right things available to you. Uh, wherever possible of course you're going to still eat out in restaurants in restaurants generally speaking you'd like to think that they wouldn't be using ultra processed food depends whether you're going to a fancy one or a mcdonald's um but the and in terms of things like eating out for lunch if you go to a pret they generally don't have ultra processed ingredients in their in their foods um although they might have things like rapeseed oil and uh, sunflower oil and that kind of stuff but again it's really small amounts it's not that much of a big deal um that what we don't want to do is just become a complete upf zealot um, but the think about whatever's going on and try to make sure you control as much of what's going into your, your body as you can, because the fact of the matter is, is if you get this right, it will help you to manage your hunger signals better. Your body will perform better. You will find that your energy is better. Your sleep is better. Your digestion is better. All these kinds of things are affected by these essentially non-foods that you're consuming. So if you have your protein intake your, is set at 150 grams a day. And so you decide to have seven grenade bars, you're going to feel crap and it's not going to give you good results versus if you have, you know, a, a mix of yogurt and sort of chicken and lentils and beans and that kind of stuff, you're going to feel a lot better. So hopefully 
that has um, piqued your interest. I hope you're interested in um, checking out the books. It's really, it's very interesting. Um, and let me know what it is that you feel like you're going to do when it comes to ultra processed food. And actually, I've just remembered there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. So if you're still here with me, thank you very much. Alcohol. Where does alcohol come on with ultra processed food? Um, for the most part, beer, cider, wine, that kind of stuff, not ultra processed um, because you could make beer in your in your kitchen. Things like an Alcopop um, and spirits, apparently, to an extent, are considered ultra processed because you would need a distillery machine or anything to put the flavorings in. I hope that you're at this point, this hasn't changed any of your opinions about drinking. It should be the same as it was before. It's the alcohol that's the main issue. Uh, but ultra processed alcohol is the worst kind of alcohol. So there you go. Um, hopefully that was useful. Uh, let me know what you think and what you're going to do. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you all very soon.